Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. We're in a series called Paradox God. And uh, the idea of God revealing himself in what appear to be contradictory terms sometimes or or paradoxes is what this series is all about you see behind me the two arrows the following sentence is true and the previous sentence is false and how how do you pull things together when when you've got something like that going on that represents a paradox and yet those two sentences were positioned very carefully as i pointed out last week with the cross right in the middle of them the answer To almost all the paradoxes that we find in the Bible, to all the apparent contradictions that we find in the Bible, is the cross. And you saw that last week, because paradoxically, because God is both holy and merciful, we could say something, and both sentences would be true, we could say, all our sins will be punished. And yet we can also say, equally truthfully, None of our sins will be punished. Now, how can you make two absolutely opposite statements like that and have both of them be true? It's all about the cross. All of our sins have been punished. They were punished in Christ on the cross. And therefore, now none of our sins are going to be punished because the punishment has already been issued. So there you see how what can appear to be on its surface uh, a contradiction really ends up not being a contradiction. And today we're going to talk about the question of God's presence. And it's a, it's a timely question because many people today are wondering, has God left the building? And it would seem, especially from recent world events to some, that God has indeed left the building or at least a portion of the building. We'll talk about that. So let's dig into Jeremiah chapter 23. This was a time where there were also people asking that question, where's God? And in some cases, not asking that question, where is God, which we'll explore in just a moment. Why were they not asking that question? But we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 23 beginning at verse 16. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say no harm will come to you. But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or to hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? See, the storm of the Lord will burst out in wrath, a whirlwind swirling down on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purposes of his heart. In days to come, you will understand it clearly. I did not send these prophets. Yet they have run with their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill... Heaven and earth, declares the Lord. 
Well, we can't avoid it. In the, in the past week, there have been some horrific events happening in our world. And what's going on in Haiti right now has to be heart-wrenching to all of us. As we, as we look at the images in the news and see people struggling for absolutely the most basic of resources, water, food, a roof over their head, our hearts just ache for those people. In the news uh, this morning, it said people are so desperate for food that they are going crazy. And uh, he, this was a man standing in a crowd of, of hundreds fighting for what one U.S. military helicopter had to offer. Two Dominican men were murdered or, or, or at least shot at while, while the, they were distributing food. These were aid workers trying to help, and, they were, and they, were, they were shot. The severity of their injuries was not really clear, and I shouldn't have said murdered, but they, they were shot. And, oh my goodness, can you imagine what must be going on for, for people to, to be having that much unrest in this country. Death toll estimates now say that 100,000 people at a minimum have died in this horrible disaster created by an earthquake in Haiti. And uh, truckloads of bodies are being carried to, to mass graves. It is truly a horrific moment in this little poor country of Haiti. And it would be almost unnatural not to ask, where is God? Because when we look at the suffering and the hurt, and, and when we see what's going on uh, among so many people in this little country, and see also the, the struggle that those who are trying uh, to help are having to get the help, uh, wow, it's just incredible. And so... Now more than ever, I think we need the reassurance that God has not left the building, that God is here with us and God is there with them, and that through all of this suffering, he will continue to be with all of us in this, in this world of ours. The people in Jeremiah's day were undergoing some pretty similar events. In fact, Jeremiah was trying to tell them that their city was going to be leveled, but not by an earthquake. Jeremiah was warning the people, and you heard what I just read, that they were listening to the wrong people. And these wrong people, these false prophets, were, were telling them that they should just go on with their lives as they were, and, and not worry about making any changes, even though the current course of their life was taking them way off, of course, from God. And they had all these false prophets sending these messages to them, and that kept them moving further and further and further off course. And one lonely voice stood out in that crowd. And that was the voice of Jeremiah the prophet whom God had actually sent to the people of Israel, who was willing, despite all this opposition, to stand up and say, we need to be asking what's going on here. Because we're also, just like we are now, back then, Jeremiah was saying, we're going through some pretty terrifying world events, and we need to be asking the meaning of these events, and why are they happening? And where is God in all of this? You know what's ironic? 
If you look at Jeremiah chapter 2, and if you're, you're with me, you can page back there. And uh, you look, for example, at um, verse 19. The children of, uh, of Israel, the, the people of Judah, were, were seeking other help from God in the midst of their problems. And Jeremiah says in verse 18, Now why go to Egypt and drink water from the Shihor? They're, they're forming alliances with countries that weren't going to be able to help them, namely Egypt. Why go to Assyria to drink water from the river? They were seeking help from Assyria too, not from God. Now God goes on, he says, your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God. And then listen to this. And have no awe of me, declares the Lord. That's a key phrase. And have no awe of me. See, that's exactly what had happened to the children of Israel in their day. They had lost their awe, their fear of God who created everything, who rules everything and controls everything. And ironically, instead of asking, where is God in all of these events, the children of Israel did just exactly the opposite. They didn't bother to ask Where is God? Jeremiah 2, verse 5. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. And then verse 6, they did not ask, where is the Lord? Who brought us up out of Egypt And led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and rifts, a land of drought and darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives. You see, they had lost their awe of God. And furthermore, while all these things were happening in their world, they didn't even bother to ask, where's God? And remember, he's the God that for the children of Israel had led them out of Egypt from slavery there and had helped them go safely through the wilderness, not just for a short while, but 40 years of wandering in that desert, had fed them, given them water to drink, provided completely for them and protected them. And yet now, Jeremiah says, you don't even bother to ask where God is. How shocking and surprising that is. You know, that's not how it had all started. Pull out your crosswalk notes. I want to show you something. When this all started, when Moses, God's appointed leader, led the children of Israel out of Egypt, look at what Moses says. Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them? Underline those words, near them. The way the Lord our God is near us, underline those words, whenever we pray to him. See, when Moses originally, as God's agent, led the children of Israel out of Egypt, they knew God's nearness. They knew that God was imminent, always there for them, walking with them, 
I told you last week that when Moses met with God, the Bible describes that he met with, with God as if God was just his dear friend and his buddy. He was, he was familiar with him. And having God's presence was just common every day. And they, and they felt this closeness and this relationship and this tightness with God. Every step of the way. So tight, Moses says that when we speak to God and when we ask him for something, boom, it's a done deal. That's how powerful this imminence is. The Apostle Paul has a similar thought. For the Greeks, the Athenians, when, when he goes and meets with them. And remember now, Paul is, is not speaking to people that are familiar with God and with all his savings, saving acts. These are, these are people that are hearing the gospel, many of them, most of them, for the very first time. And he's walking around in the city and there are temples to all kinds of other gods. And Paul says, let me tell you about the true God whom even though you haven't known him in the past, is not far from you. He's very near to you. In Acts 17, 27, Paul is telling the people that God has put you here at this exact time. He's placed you here at this exact place. He has a plan for your life. And then he goes on and he says, God did this so that men would seek him, and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. It is so awesome for us to realize in our daily life that we have a God who is very near to us. When we look at events in Haiti, when we look at events in our own lives, the things that we're going through. Is it not truly tremendous to remember things like Jesus promised to his disciples, I am with you always to the very end of the age? And do you, do you, do you take that home for yourself? Most of us have learned Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Right? And you go on and he talks about how he leads us into green pastures and by still waters. That's that shepherd who's right here for us every step of the way. And, and I, I, I hope that all of you know that you have a God who is very nearby. And do you know the best part of his nearness? The best part of his nearness is that he is near you despite the fact that you are sinful and guilty, just like I am. And sometimes when, when these big events like in Haiti happen, we, we may wonder, wow, is that, is that some sort of punishment, some sort of discipline? And of course, we can't always answer those questions. We don't know what's in the mind and heart of God. I think we need to be very, very cautious about pointing fingers and saying that happened to Haiti as God's punishment on them. Jesus addressed that. He was talking about a group of people that had been attacked by Herod and had lost their lives. And another group of people that had had a, a tower fall on them. And he bluntly asks the question of them. He says, did these things happen to them because God wanted to punish them? They were worse sinners than the rest of us. Is that why that happened? And you know what Jesus answered? 
to his own question? He said, first look at yourselves instead of pointing fingers at them. First repent of your own sins instead of saying horrible things are happening somewhere else because they're horrible sinners. First, look at your own guilt and shame and take it to the Lord and know that you have a Savior in Jesus who went to the cross for you and died so that your sins could be forgiven. Take a look at this last passage from James chapter 4, verses 7 and 9. When we see disasters like this, either in our own lives or internationally, what's our first response? Well, James tells us what it is. Submit yourselves, yourselves, then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God in times like this. And he will come near to you. That's his promise. Wash your hands, you sinners. Take your sins to Jesus for forgiveness. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Now, that might sound like a a pretty serious-sounding passage. Really? Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom? But what he's really saying is, when we see things like this happen, wherever we see them happen in the world, wherever we meet them in our own world, our first response is to recognize that we're contributing to this too by our sins, by our failures to follow God's will. And absolutely our first response has got to be our repentance and our carrying our sins to Jesus And our receiving and knowing that that forgiveness is absolutely ours. Which turns that gloom back into joy again. Through Jesus, you have a God who is no longer distant and separated from you. There's no longer a chasm between him and you. There's no more divide. You are reconciled to God in Christ through his sacrifice and through his resurrection. You have a God who is imminent and nearby. That's our first point. God is present nearby. You know, there are a lot of frightening events going on in our world today, aren't there? Not just this horrid, horrible, heart-wrenching earthquake in Haiti. A war in Iraq Another war in Afghanistan. A jihadist who wants to take an airplane out of the sky on Christmas Day. Diseases and famines racking various parts of the world. In our own city, murders every day. People in the hospital from horrid injuries and from illness themselves, it's all around us, the things that are happening. And if you pick up a newspaper or you get online, you can avoid that we're in a time not unlike the time of Jeremiah. And interestingly, the people of Jeremiah's day were frightened, horribly frightened by events in, in their world too. Jeremiah began prophesying in Judah halfway through the reign of the last godly king, a king by the name of Josiah. And Josiah actually and and Jeremiah would have made great allies 
And they did for a short time. But while they were trying to hold out in this little pocket of the world next to the Mediterranean, they were squeezed in a meat grinder between two major world powers. On the one hand, you had the major power of Assyria in the north, and you had the major power of Egypt. These were the superpowers of Jeremiah's day. And they were constantly nipping at each other's heels and more, challenging each other's authority and attacking one another. Well, guess what? The land of Judah was right in the middle and often became the battleground. And when it was not the battleground, it was the place where the armies at least traveled through so that they could get to the other guy. And as Jeremiah was working together with Josiah... Josiah had to decide, you know, which side am I going to come down on? And and I'll tell you that in in Jeremiah's day, that flip-flopped back and forth several times. But Josiah went out one day to fight against the Egyptians. And this last godly king of Judah was killed in the battle. And from there on out, not only externally, but internally as well, there were all kinds of horrible things going on. And then a third major power hit the world scene, Babylon. And soon Babylon overtook Assyria and then also began to, to attack and, and go after Egypt to become the prevailing world power of its day. Now for 40 years... There's this cold war and often heated war going on between these major superpowers. And they are so strong, they have the power to, to tell Judah who's going to be their next king. And they keep flopping out kings. Judah really becomes kind of just a little servant state to whoever's in power at that time. While all these things are going on, the people in Judah are becoming more and more and more frightened by all the events that are, that are happening around them. And so Jeremiah has to say, look, in times like this, we need to have repentant hearts and have a great relationship with God because absolutely, I think you people can see this, he is our only hope against people like the Babylonians or the Egyptians. We have to cling to him harder than ever. But guess what? The people of Judah were so concerned with their own little day-to-day -day lives that they wouldn't listen to Judah. And there were all these competing voices with Jeremiah. And that's what we read about. Go back to Jeremiah 23 and the first part of this passage that I, that I read to you, while all this stuff is going on, a whole bevy of prophets is coming in and saying, guys, don't worry. Just keep living your lives. Do what you're doing. I know you're sinful, but don't worry about that. God's not too bothered about it. And they kept saying, peace, peace, peace. And that's why Jeremiah says this. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They will fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep, they keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say no harm will come to you. 
You can read on. I won't read the whole thing. But let me just ask a simple question. Do we live in a time that's not unsimilar? A a time where there are a lot of voices that say, there's nothing to worry about. Just calm down. Don't worry about this thing. It's only the weird, wacky people that say, repent of your ways and change your thoughts and change your hearts. It's only the, the real Bible bangers who say, You need to do something about your sinful ways. Is it just the lonely voice? The Jeremiah voice? Who, those of us who believe that God is still present nearby, but also far away. And that he is over all. You know, that word transcendent doesn't just mean far away. It does mean that. But it also means he is completely other than us. In many ways, transcendence is tied into holiness. In the sense that God is so different from us and his thoughts are so different from us. And he's he's literally on a throne in his his heavens, the Bible says. He is in control of, of everything that goes on on our planet. And when Jeremiah was talking about that, he was trying to remind the children of Israel that, look, if I call the Babylonians in here, I'm not just a local God who has no power over there. If I call the Babylonian empire in here, they will come. Because I'm not just a God nearby. I'm also a God far away. I am far above Anything that you might imagine, you can't even conceive of all the things that I can think, do, and say. Just imagine for yourself, when we talk about God being in control, even of the, of the details of our lives, how transcendent that makes God, that, that he, he can control all the details of all these millions of lives on planet Earth. And know each of us so intimately that he says, I can count the number of hairs on your head. What an amazing and mysterious God we have. And yet, you know what? It's by far not just a threatening thought that God is a God far away. It's also a comforting thought, isn't it? In Haiti, God is still present. And and God can call his people from here. To help his people there. And it's the same God. It's a comforting thought when we, we think, for example, of, of what Anne was inviting us to consider this morning. Would you consider going across to, to Laos? And maybe the first initial reaction we, we would have would be the same one Julie and I had when we heard we were going to be called to, to, to Africa. Is, wow, that's a little scary. Can I go over there? I've never even been outside of our country. And what's, what's that going to be like? comforting truth that the same God who is God here is God in Laos or Haiti or, or, or anywhere else we might choose to go in our world or in our universe. God is God, not just near away, but all, near, nearby, but God far away. Take a look at the passages I put in your crosswalk notes. Look at what it says there. 
O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. You are a God who is in heaven, in control of everything that's going on. Now, does it take, at times, the eyes of faith to see this? Absolutely. Because when we see world events that that seem to call this all into question, we need the power of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts to say, you are still in heaven sitting on your throne, God. Look at what Paul again said in Acts chapter 7. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by men. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. God is so far above us that this little planet earth is his footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? Remember how far above and beyond you I am. And finally, Philippians chapter 2 even talks about his son, Jesus Christ, who came here, who became one of us, who became so imminent that he walked in our flesh. And yet it says that when he died and rose from the grave, he too was made transcendent again. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here's our second point. While God is always nearby in all of our lives, in all of our troubles, he's also a God who is over there, far away, in control, in his throne, in the heavens. God is present far away too. Now in Jeremiah's day, I've kind of made this point a little bit already, but let me just really emphasize it now. Because it was and is a matter of faith to trust that God is both nearby and far away, that he is both transcendent and imminent. There was just a small number of people that were clinging in faith to this God and to their, and to their knowledge of who God is, the nearby and far away God. It was just a small people, small portion of people. And it was not easy in the least for Jeremiah to proclaim this message. In fact, at one point he was imprisoned for prophesying this way. And another point in his ministry, he, was, he wasn't even given the, the comfort of a prison cell. He was thrown in a cistern, a, a, a storage hole in the ground like a well, where he had to muck about in the mud at the bottom of this dark hole because the people around him were so fed up with his message. People were involved in themselves. They were involved in their own success. They had acquired wealth and prestige and power and favor politically with people. They were enjoying the good life. That's what the whole book of Jeremiah is about. And they did not want to be distracted from their good life. They were leaders Opinion makers, trend setters. 
and they were all around, and their nation couldn't be bothered to think about God. And to have a man like Jeremiah say, folks, with all this going on, we've got to be reminded that we've got to think about God in all of this. And I think we still need that reminder. You watch the news, or maybe even better yet, turn on one of the entertainment shows that are so prevalent. You find them on every channel. And you'll see the trendsetters and the opinion makers and the, and the people who are wealthy and influential and powerful. And it's so easy to see that they've been distracted. But have we been distracted too? By the wealth, the influence, the things that are all around us. And, and are we kind of being led down that path being many celebrities in our own right, not that E.T. Entertainment Tonight is ever going to come and interview us or want to peek into our lives. But, but have we bought a little bit into that culture and gotten distracted from looking for God and from taking our lives to God and knowing that he's in control? You know what? In Jeremiah's day, when he did that, by worldly standards, by the standards of everyone around him. He was a miserable failure. No one wanted to follow him. I can tell you there was no megachurch that got built up around Jeremiah. In fact, people ran as fast as they could to get away from the guy because he was like kryptonite. And then he got thrown in prison. And then he got thrown in the cistern. And finally, late in life, probably in his his 70s, he got drugged against his will into Egypt because people were running away once again from the Babylonians. Not exactly a successful end to a long ministry. And so as we think in our own lives today about what is going to make us successful, we have to remember God's eyes. And how he sees it. And how he is near to us. And how he is also over there far away from us. And how he's both at the same time. In fact, how he is everywhere. And his eyes are everywhere. And how he wants us to want to be successful, not in the eyes of the world, but in his eyes. Look at what... uh, is written in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27. The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. And this is exactly what Jeremiah is saying. Turn back to the, to the first verses we read this morning. Start at verse 22. But if they, these, these false prophets, and, and if the people had stood in my counsel, had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. That's what God is looking for from us, a turn away from sin back to Jesus Christ. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? 
Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth? And once again, now, absolutely, there can be a side to those words that wakes us up and goes, Oh, man, I need to think about my sins. But there's also very much a side to those words that says, Oh, man. Jesus Christ is here for me, too. God loves me, and his eyes are on me, his child, through faith in Jesus Christ. He is a God nearby for me because of what Christ did on the cross. He's a God far away. Wherever in this world I may need to go, God will be there for me. Whatever hurting people are out there in this world... God wants me to reach out to them and love them and show his mercy to them. Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth? And I love Psalm 139, the the last passage in your crosswalk notes. And I hope this is a thought that you'll carry home with you. It's one that I put for you to memorize this week beautiful passage for a child of God to take with him. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Is that not Amazing. In the next weeks, we're going to have a lot of opportunity to be that little remnant of people who believe, even when world events are maybe encouraging us to doubt. We're going to have a lot of opportunity to be people who, like Jeremiah, stand firm and strong in our faith that God is right here nearby. And that God is also there far away. And and here's one really practical thing that I hope that you will do each day as the news events unfold about Haiti. Pray. The Bible says our prayers are powerful and effective. And God's supernatural hand is needed more than ever in this country. So spend some time every day in prayer. If you want a little help with that prayer, if you want some words to use, just go on our website. I wrote my blog about it this week. You can go on and find Jeff's blog and, and Haiti in there. And I've, I've given a little model prayer that you can use. Just look that up, print it out. And just pray it every day for these people. Now, some of you might be wondering, can we do more than pray? And uh, our service ministry director, Mary Dover, and I met earlier this week, and we talked about the kinds of things that we can do maybe also to contribute to Haiti. And you'll, you'll start to hear some notices coming out about some things that we can do physically to help with this country. This is a time for God's children to step up because we know that God is not just here. He is also there, and we can be his hands and feet there. And by doing that, we're walking according to our faith. God is present nearby. God is present far away. God is present. And this is our third and final point. 
everywhere. Take a look at those next steps in the crosswalk. We're heading in, as Phil said, to a, to a new series, which is going to be a great series to invite your friends to. And on January 31st, I really want you to be focusing and thinking, who could I ask to come to Crosswalk with me for this great new series, Emoticons? It's going to be about the fact that in a church, we Christians are real people. And we have real emotions that we have to deal with. And we're going to take four weeks to talk about how our emotions impact our relationships. So will you do me a favor, starting today, write down the names of three unchurched people you know who need God's presence in their lives. They need to know that God's nearby for them. They need to know that God's on his throne, transcended and in control of everything. They need to know that God is everywhere. Write those names down. And will you do something this week? Just begin to pray for them. You don't even have to invite them yet. Let's, let's just start with prayer, like we're going to do for Haiti. Pray for those three friends. When I give you a moment now, in just a second, to, to reflect on the message, I'm going to ask you to take your pens and, and get those names down right away. Finally, meditate on and memorize Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10. What a beautiful passage. Let's look at it once again. Let's read it together. Psalm 139, it's the last passage on your crosswalk notes. Will you, will you join with me? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Let's pray. Oh God, how awesome it is to know that you are right here with us, that you call yourself Father, Abba Father, and that, that we can be so familiar with you that we even call you Daddy. That's how close you are to us, not just in space, but relationally. And yet, God, Help our hearts at the very same time as we, as we feel that, that love that you have for us to also be in awe of you and how amazing you are and how far above and beyond us you are. So far above and beyond us that we cannot even begin to grasp you. And Lord, help us to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that no matter what goes on in this world, you are on your throne. You have not left the building. Lord God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, because it's in him that we who were once far away have been drawn near through the blood of Christ. Our sins are forgiven and eternal life is ours and our relationship with you is restored and reconciled. We thank you for that in Jesus name. Lord, all these things we lift up to you, knowing that you are a God nearby, far away. And everywhere. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.